Hey, this is Gary. This is Mike. And Daniel. We're not professionals. We're just three addicts sharing our experiences, strength, and hope regarding recovery. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other addicts and to practice these principles in our lives. Hello and welcome to another episode of the 12th Step Podcast. My name is Gary. And this is Mike. And this is Daniel. Well, gentlemen... We are going to uh, discuss an email that we got from one of our listeners. Yes. Very excited. I'm very excited, too. We love to hear from our listeners. And, uh, man, some great questions. Fantastic questions. You guys, you guys ready to go swimming in some deep water? <laughs> yes. Let's dive in. <laughs> no shallow end of the pool for us tonight. No. <laughs> no. All right. Well, let me read the question. This comes from one of our listeners. Um, and she asks, I have a question about the boundaries episode from February 5th, 2021. Very good episode. Go listen to it. It was a great episode. It was great. Yeah. yeah. One right. of our most listened to episodes, I might yeah, point out. Sure yeah. It is now. So this might be a question that's had by a lot of people. Okay. There is a mention about setting boundaries by pausing a relationship while someone is not respecting your boundaries because someone is a toxic person assuming that we all excuse me assuming that we all will always have room for growth i.e. nobody is perfect who is considered toxic versus non-toxic are people themselves toxic or is it or do they just have toxic traits how does having grace slash forgiveness for the imperfections of others in our lives, i.e. everybody including ourselves, intersect with the idea of pausing a relationship due to overstepping boundaries as a habit? Lot there. A lot yeah. there. A lot there. A lot there. <clears throat> There's a lot here to unpack. So, um, First of all, thank you so much for listening, yeah. and thank you for your questions. We love them, and we're going to do our best to jump into this. I have a couple thoughts. I know Mike does. <laughs> yes, he was just rambling, and I had to say, it. I don't. I, let's I don't, hit the record button first. I don't yeah. know that anybody has ever met me that has said, you have no thoughts, Mike. I always have something to say. So. I, think, I think we're more worried when you don't have anything to say. Like, well, he always has something to you say. Really That's right. quiet. What's going on here? So, so there's a couple of things. There's a couple of things that uh, we need to unpack. We do. Yes. And I think we should take it step by step. And quite honestly, I think the grace forgiveness piece is probably something we should put on the list for a future episode. I agree. I agree. Uh, but let's go ahead and talk about um, toxic people. Let's toxic start with people. That. And the idea, are people themselves toxic, or do they just have toxic traits? How much room do you give for growth? Things like that. I, I, I'm going to start this off. Sure. Uh, I think because I'm the one who sort of I introduced the idea of toxic people. Uh, in my mind, in my mind, there's a variety of things that are critical here. First of all, mm -hmm. the, the notion and idea of somebody being toxic isn't them understanding that they're toxic. It's how they're affecting me. And uh, when I talk about my own recovery, when I find myself around people who are not uh, not helping me become a better me, who are saying things that are derogatory and that are just simply mean, uh, that are that are bringing me down, that puts me in a negative emotional state, that makes me vulnerable to relapse, simply because they I don't know if they just simply find joy and pleasure in that, or if that's just the kind of person they are. 
I've decided for myself I'm too old to be exposed to that kind of stuff and find success in life and in recovery. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's a definition of how do they make me feel. Right. Now, I think the second part of that was, as we talked about pausing a relationship, because I think we have a right as a person to pause relationships with those kinds of people to simply say, you know, when I hang out with you, bad things happen. Mm -hmm. I find myself doing things that I wouldn't necessarily normally do. And none of those things that I do are good things. And I have to take ownership of my life and of my own recovery and where I'm going. And so pausing a relationship to enable them to recognize the fact that, wow, I'm causing some damage in Mike's life as a result of that. He's paused this relationship, which will allow them to either move forward in their own life and find find some meaning in that or to continue on down their path but do it alone. And those are the two things I think that are really, really important to me. Uh, but I'm the one who identifies what's toxic and what's not. Yeah, I mean, for me, that's that's definitely been the way I've done it. Um, how I've seen it, a toxic person is anyone that hinders my personal progress, progression in a positive way. You know, if if it's something that's being negative, you know, there I've had friends where I had one buddy that like every time I was around him, it was this, you know, uh, it was always a negative ginger joke, like making fun of me because I'm a redhead and. Um, you know, yes, I am a redheaded stepchild, but he did it in this way that was always derogatory. And sure. it just, I always felt uncomfortable and it was just, it's like, dude, we're playing a board game. Why do you have to? Why does that have any relevance? Yeah. Why does that have to come into play and stuff like that? And, you know, even after having a conversation with him saying, Hey, that kind of hurts my feelings. I'd appreciate it if you didn't do it. He kept doing it. So it's like, okay, you know, clearly how I feel doesn't matter. So we need to, you know, put this on pause and. He, t- he got upset about that and then just quit coming around and spending time with me. So it was clearly like, all right, so. Which was probably okay for you. It was. I mean, it kind of yeah. sucked, you know, this friendship. But at the same time, it's like, okay, if my feelings didn't matter enough to change, then clearly yeah. this wasn't a good friendship. Um, and we, you can see that throughout relationships. And um, you know, so, f- like you said, I think you get to design or – designate what is toxic for you what isn't right i think i think you bring up an interesting point and there may be a really good distinction here to kind of think about too um maybe it's not the person maybe it's the relationship sure that's toxic perhaps you know maybe it's how How you have how how have you guys have taught each other to interact with one another right and you know i think that's that's something to be aware of too yeah i mean um, I'll, I'll be honest i think you know my ex-wife and i we definitely did that really well we taught each other what buttons to push in the wrong way and not to be positive or helpful and it, that i just kept escalating over and over i'm going to use a specific example since you bring that up mm-hmm. uh, uh, i have a counselor okay i have a counselor who's uh, struggling with who struggled with alcohol and I, as I listened to his story and talk about what it took to obtain sobriety, he obviously, at one point in time in his effort to obtain sobriety, realized that if he was going to overcome his addiction to alcohol, it meant changing friends because he had this crowd of friends that, that that's what they did. They just simply, uh, when they got together, they drank. That's mm-hmm. what they did. It's, and, and that's the only thing they seemed to have in common. And so 
when uh, even after years and years of separation, when they would get together again, the immediate response was, hey, let's go drink. And for a man who's trying to overcome alcoholism, that was a difficult thing. Yeah. That's a toxic relationship. That's a, that's a situation that does not bring out the best in somebody, that they have to separate themselves from that particular certain circumstance in order to, uh, in order to find sobriety in their own life. There was, there was a whole group of people in my world that when I started, that when I started my recovery process, I had to end relationships and relationships with them. Not that they were bad people, not, you know, not that, you know, I was in a position to pass judgment on them or anything like that, but the association or the relationship I had with them was toxic and I could not get to where I needed to be as long as that interaction was in place. That's right. I think something else that you need to consider the idea, um, are people themselves toxic or do they just have toxic traits? And I'm going to answer this question. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> no, no. I think it's as, a bit of both. As much as I hate to say it, the reality of it is, is that malice is a real thing. It is. And it can be developed to the point in a person that... That that becomes what they are. They become past feeling. They they are themselves toxic. Yes. If 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 it's easier to stomach, let's let's put a a different attribute on it. If you do kind things enough, eventually you will become kind. It right. will no longer be something you do. It will become something that you are. Right. And so many things in recovery, we try to take something and incorporate it into our character to the point that it cease ceases being something we do. And become something that we are. Right. Now, I do think that there are people in the world who have embraced certain behaviors and attitudes until it becomes what they are. I agree with that. All right. So can people be toxic? Yes. Yes, they can. And it's also important to point out that sometimes that may be family. Mm -hmm. We've talked about the idea a time or two, and we've heard this in our own counseling sessions, that, you know, the notion of family is really more an operational term. Uh, Family may be, it may not necessarily be biological mom and dad. It may be, or relationships with siblings. It may be somebody we've identified who serves more of a purpose of a mom and dad uh, than our own parents because those people in our lives have become something that we don't want to be around. That yeah. when we're around them, that it provides such a negative experience for us that it we, that it, it creates an opportunity for us to constantly relapse, to constantly question ourselves, to constantly decide you know, question who we are. And that could even go along with siblings. I mean, Absolutely. for me, um, I don't have a relationship with my siblings because, uh, you know, I have a couple of sisters that drink and I have another brother that j- he smokes and does whatever he wants. And, and you know, I have another one that's uh, pretty much addicted to video games. And it's like, why would I want to be around those tendencies? I'm trying to break away from that. And I have friends that, that they're, I have a better relationship with them as brothers than I do my own, you know, my own brothers. Biological family. Yeah, my yeah. own biological family, <clears throat> and it's stronger. And, you know, uh, even this last couple of weeks as I went through a pretty hefty trial, you know, they were the first, you know, when I got home, they were the first ones to say, hey, all right, we're going to throw a party and we're going to do something as a, hey, you, you made it through this yeah. uh, type situation, and that was fantastic. Um, so it's, it's interesting uh, as you you know, kind of build this dynamic uh, around you of positive people, uh, the ones that really shine and you, you start gravitating to them more and more and they definitely are there to help build you up. Yeah. Whereas, you know, toxic people, 
for people that have more toxic traits. Um, definitely you'll find as you get into a clearer state of mind, they're, dr- they're dr- kind of pulling you backwards yeah. um, or, or digging the, the sand beneath your feet out so you're sliding back down the hill. That's right. Um, and, and there are people yeah. who will vindictively go after yeah. you and yeah. resent you for your success. Absolutely. Yeah. And, there, and there are some that don't realize they're doing it yes. at the same time. That's and, also a fair statement. Yeah. So, so maybe when we're talking about boundaries... And maybe we've used language that that makes it makes us imagine that we're we're passing judgment or or on a person themselves. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe it will help clarify it in our minds if we think about the relationship I have with this person. Absolutely, and, and what it needs to be, and what it yeah. needs to be. Yeah. Well, Might and be an before even like cutting them out, you could you know boundaries are there to to make it safe for you. Right, you know, like I did, and for wife. them, and for them, like I did with my friend, I pulled him aside and said, "Hey, this is hurting my feelings. Can we stop doing that?" That you know, he could have easily chose, "Hey, yo, I'm sorry that oh. hurt your feelings. I'll I'll stop doing that." That would have been the end of it. Our friendship right. would have continued on, mm-hmm. but he made the choice to ignore that boundary that I put in place. Feelings kept getting hurt, and so I had to decide to, you know, go a different direction. You know, here's a thought. I've been thinking about this uh, topic a little bit as as this email had come in. Uh, there are there are certain things that we can do to initiate boundaries within those relationships that that we find that may be toxic. Um, you know, sometimes we talk as though the first thing we need to do is be we need to remove ourselves from that person. Yeah. But you know, there are things that we can actually do where we can simply say, you know, I'm thinking back, for instance, to my counselor who has been struggling with alcohol. One of the things I think is he talked about that he found helpful was this, the certain times of day that he would visit with these friends that would not be conducive to drinking. And so just introducing a boundary, for instance, to mm-hmm. say, well, the time that I intend then to visit with these particular friends, because I want to maintain the friendship, is not necessarily uh, is not necessarily such that I have to give up the friendship, but it may simply be, hey, look, let me connect with you while you're at work, or let me connect with you during the day, because people don't typically run to the bar during the middle yeah. of the day, during the work day. Uh, and so, or maybe we connect over Facebook, or maybe we connect in a medium that doesn't bring us necessarily together. That keeps the relationship alive, but it protects me and it protects us. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a when we talk about boundaries, that's a real life possibility. So well, maybe maybe what it means is is we have to rethink the relationship. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I think more often than not, it means we have to rethink the relationship. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, and now we're crossing over into our how does having grace and forgiveness sure start to cross over? I think I think the biggest piece to that is that you don't make any. How do I say this? You don't make any final judgments. Agreed. All right. You can you can be discriminating. You can make a judgment. This relationship is not healthy right now, but you can be open to the possibility of it becoming healthy later. Yes. You know, I. Now uh, let's not hang on to the idea that my responsibility is to help you along to make it. No, 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 yeah, not at that's all. That's not helping at all. Not at all. But I think about when I um, after after my suicide attempt and I got out of the hospital, there were a lot of boundaries placed on the major relationships in my in my life. Absolutely. Okay. And so I, when I came out of the hospital, my wife and I were separated for a time. Right. And that was a boundary that was set in place. Um, it was to protect her and it was protect me. She wanted to see how serious I was. Yes. She wasn't ready to give up on the relationship entirely because it was important and there was a, a lot there. 
a lot at stake. A lot. There was a lot at stake, you know, but my behavior and my choices and the consequences of those things were toxic. Right. You know, they put her in an unhealthy place. It put my family in an unhealthy place. And so some of those things needed to be there. Now the grace and the forgiveness comes. Okay, we might have to define what, you know, what exactly we mean by grace and forgiveness, which is, I think, that maybe this should be a a separate, a, a whole separate yeah. thing. Well, we can talk about that on another episode. Well, I'm, I'm sure we will. But yeah. something my mother said to me once, she says, you can forgive somebody. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to be reconciled with them. Yeah. Sure. You know, meaning that, because I think that you do a lot of forgiving for your benefit, and, and then it doesn't mean that you have to continue in that. In that relationship. Or that you're somehow, or that forgiving is contingent on keeping yourself in a toxic relationship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. that's, that's not the same thing. No, either. it's not. Yeah. I mean, you can forgive someone, but you don't have to remain friends with them or remain married right. with them. Um, you can forgive them for, okay, you did these actions, but clearly you didn't have the tools or whatever to handle that. Yeah. But you know, I'm still going to move forward with my life. You're going to go in a different direction. So uh, I think maybe a really simplistic way to look at it is I'll go back to the example of my wife and I. I had done some toxic things. I had done some damaging things. Yeah. She put up boundaries. We were separated with the intent of seeing what, what what's this going to look like? How serious are you about making some changes? Sure. You know? And then through a time and my behavior and my choices, I began to demonstrate that that it was in fact very important to me and that I was willing to change, you know, mm-hmm. and then, you know, she was willing to forgive me and, and, you know, we had a lot of long talks about, um, what things would look like if I relapsed again, for example, sure. or how serious the relapse was, or in a lot of cases, more importantly, <clears throat> how I chose to handle the relapse or what was coming up to it. You know, these were yeah. all things that we had discussed, and those were those are the kind of boundaries I think that that we're talking about. It's, yeah. I think sometimes when we think of boundaries, we think of fences. We think yeah. this idea, notion that it's if this fence is up to either cage and hold something in or to keep something bad out. And, mm-hmm. and there's no question about it. I believe those parameters are there, but I also believe that these fences seem to be movable. These are these are mm-hmm. sort of dynamic boundaries that that really more than anything are just there to keep us safe from what's there on the other side uh, and. I don't set. I don't necessarily see it as though it's this separation to keep me away from something or keep them away from me. I think it's intended to keep us both safe in a mutual relationship. I agree. <clears throat> in I fact, think of, uh, and I'm going to go back to the pig example that I used even when we talked about the boundaries episode. Uh-huh. Uh, I still count, came out every single day, and uh, even though those pigs were confined to a six by six space, I would come out and play with them a little bit. I'd pull their ears and I'd feed them and I'd you know, do a variety of things to interact with them, even though there was this physical boundary that kept them out of harming themselves and and certainly damaging what I was raising them for, which is ultimately to end up next to the mashed potatoes on my plate. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, that relationship still existed, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. kept them safe. It kept me safe. It kept everything in context of what it was we were trying to accomplish and that was important. It didn't mean a complete separation. I think it's also really important to understand that <clears throat> you don't want to make the mistake of thinking that boundaries only exist in unhealthy relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, they don't. In fact, I would say, you know, I've, I've had the privilege of, of being both of your sponsors. 
Okay, and I would say that the vast, vast, vast majority of all of our interactions have been very positive. Sure. Been very healthy. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> but that's only been that's only been possible because I have a boundary where I need to understand where I end and you begin. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I can't care more or work harder than you do. Yeah. D- does that make that's sense? Absolutely. Those true. are boundaries that I set with people that I interact with, you know, for recovery. Those are just really good ones for just about all the relationships that I have actually. Sure. And it's because of those boundaries that I'm able to have healthy relationships, you know, that have been very, very positive. So I I think that that's something that we need to keep in mind. All healthy relationships have boundaries. I mean, look at growing up as a kid, and I'm going to use an example, you know, uh, Christmas morning. There's probably boundaries of, oh, you can't open the presents until you go wake up mom and dad. And then we'll go downstairs and we can all open the presents together. There's two clearly defined boundaries there. Can't, um, you know, when you start learning to drive, you have the boundary of you have to have a licensed driver with you. You can't just jump in a car and go take off. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of Life boundaries. Life is full of boundaries. That, that we get. Yeah. Um, the only difference is, is, you know, were we taught those when we were growing up? Are we having to learn those as adults, um, you know, because we're, we're still trying to figure out, you know, the whole relationship thing or even how do we interact with our spouse or partner or our children or friends or neighbors. So we're constantly learning and setting up boundaries. I mean, mm. we have a boundary on our property. That's my fence line. That's where my property ends. That's where yours begins. You know, if my tree hangs over a little bit, let's talk about that and we'll work this out. I mean, even, even, even children don't hit your little brother. That's a boundary. Yeah. (laughs) That's not a line you cross. Don't touch the stove. It's hot. Um, Don't, you know, don't stick anything metal in the, in the light socket. Some of that's just common sense. <laughs> well, you right. think. And a good rule to live by. <laughs> yeah. think. You're right, but those are still boundaries. That, they are. Know, Life and, is full of boundaries, yeah. and I think sometimes that, uh, again, these are not hard and fast, no. solid walls that prevent us from interacting with what it is that we're talking about yeah. on the other side of that. This is, this is very dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what may be the boundary today may not necessarily be the boundary tomorrow. No. Yeah. Uh, and what may be the boundary yesterday may be a different boundary today. And For so, sure. There's all kinds of movement to that, and uh, and what we, when we start to recognize that people are responding positively to the boundaries, because I believe boundaries are for a purpose mm-hmm. of positive change, yeah. mm-hmm. that when people start responding in a positive way to the boundary and, and can start recognizing the fact that the boundary itself is healthy, then that's when we start including them to some extent back into our world. Uh, that then moves us in a direction of healthy recovery. And what I would suggest, because this, I mean, this came from my own experience, is. Um, when a boundary is put in place, don't see it as a punishment. Sure. You know, for me, it's like, okay, one might, uh, yep, there's one more punishment. You know, there was no, we didn't sit down and talk about it like, okay, you know, I don't want you in the bedroom for the next couple months because I don't feel safe. I want to establish some safety there. Is that something we can agree on so, and, so that I can feel safe and we can make some progression in our relationship? Instead, it was just... Yep, I don't want you in the bedroom anymore. You know, and for me, it was like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. You know, one more thing of closer to out the door of the house. And so um, <clears throat> try to see it. It's it's not a punishment. It's a way so that she or your partner, he, um, is trying to improve the relationship and make it safer for them while you're working through this period. And definitely have a discussion where you can both agree on it. I think that was the biggest hindrance to me is I didn't get a 
a part to agree to it. It was just right. forced upon me. Yeah. And if it had been something I had agreed upon, I think wholeheartedly I wouldn't have had any resentment well, you against certain, it. Yeah, you would have approached it And I would have approached it in a completely different manner. Right. I'll go back to the the experience I had with my wife and I. You know, now that, you know, we're having this conversation, I'm thinking about it. The very best thing that we could have done to save our marriage in that moment was to have that discussion and set that boundary. Absolutely. And in fact, that was the fact that she was willing to work with me on that was such a positive sign. Yes. You know, and at. Which is interesting because when I listened to the what that actually looked like, uh-huh. it meant sleeping somewhere else. But being here early in the morning to make certain you were there, right? To get the kids up and moving towards <laughs> getting ready for school, being home in the evening to make certain uh, to be part of the whole family experience in the evening to get mm-hmm. them tucked into bed, to get them bathed, to do all those different things. Mm-hmm. But then to pile in the car and drive some distance to go sleep, and then get up the next morning and do it all again. Yep, all of that. Uh, when you look at it, 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 it feels that to some extent it almost feels punitive. But the mm-hmm. reality of it was is it was a very healthy boundary for both you and your wife that indicated very clearly that, look, he's still very much interested in being the father in our home. And had you not been responsive to that, I think that there'd have been a very different outcome. I agree. I absolutely <clears throat> agree. So a fantastic boundary. Fun story. Um. I think we've identified the fact of what a toxic person is. I think yes. we tried to, to sort of ferret that out a little and bit. And I think, I think that uh, you'll have a little bit more time or a little bit better time if you think about relationships in the context of relationships more than people. Is this a toxic relationship? Absolutely. You know, um, the whole thing with grace and forgiveness. Sit tight. That's we touched coming. on that. <laughs> we'll we'll, we'll don't jump into those waters sooner. But I, I think... I think that we can see that uh, the the boundaries. I will. I want to say one more thing about it while I have it on my mind. The boundaries we set gave both my wife and I the opportunity to practice forgiveness and grace. Great point. A fantastic point. Because in the absence of boundaries, I'm not entirely convinced that those things can function the way we'd expect it. I to. agree. So yeah, that's a great that's a great point, and a great way to to end because I think that's a that is, that's a fantastic segue into another idea, another topic of grace because that's a that's certainly what the entire SAA program is based on, mm-hmm. and it's certainly something that needs to be explored. But a great point about boundaries. Well, I hope that helped. Uh, I would we would love to hear. Uh, your feedback on that and and maybe this can be an ongoing kind of a thing so yeah reach out and let us know absolutely and with that i'll say this is gary encouraging you to do the next right thing and this is mike saying do the work necessary to find the peace that recovery can bring and this is daniel saying find the humility in your recovery thank you for listening to the podcast we would love to hear from you if you have any questions thoughts or concerns or have any suggestions for future episodes, please contact us at 12thsteppodcast at gmail.com. That is 12thsteppodcast at gmail.com. As a fellowship of recovering addicts, Sex Addicts Anonymous offers a message of hope to anyone who suffers from sex addiction. Check out saa-recovery.org.